presence today. God, I pray that you would help us as we worship you. God, help us to lift you up because you are worthy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
hands into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. You turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the Your goodness is 
God is great, God is good. What's that remind you of? What's that sound like? How does that end? Let us thank him for our food. There you go. That's kind of what came to mind when we put that up there. God is great, God is good. Out of Hebrews chapter 12, 18 through 29. Hebrews chapter 12, 18 through 29. The Hebrew writer, this pastor talking to that church at that time, is going to use uh, right here. We're going to talk about God is great, God is good. And he uses an illustration, uh, the first part of the scripture text we're going to read. I'm going to say that now instead of explaining it afterward. He's going to use an example or, or an illustration of the uh, incident, the time in the Old Testament when God was delivering the law to the nation of Israel and they were on Mount, on the mountain, Mount Sinai. And the mountain shook and the lightning and the, the thunder and the greatness of God and the fear that came upon them and they kind of got a glimpse of how awesome that God is and Moses was to go up on the mountain and get the law and bring it back down to him and the people said to, to Moses, uh, you go, <laughs> you go and talk to him. I'm not going, I'm, we're not going to. And so Moses went up to talk to God and brought the message back. Not going to go into all that. He refers to, that's what he's referring to, and just the awesomeness. And, but what he'll go on to, the second part of the text, is I'm going to put it like this, and I'll, I may use this phrase a time or two again in the, the message, but you haven't seen anything yet. You haven't seen anything yet this that mountain experience that mount sinai experience with god was just such a small part of who god is and what god is and the writer he doesn't say that he doesn't use that phrase but that's what the point of the text is but you haven't seen anything yet about what we will see and and who god is and so to, today, all day long, is going to be about God is great and God is good. Now, what happens is, I know how it is, life comes along, and we don't doubt that. It's not that we doubt that. God is great and God is good. We don't ever say that's not true. But in a way, I, I don't want to say, I don't want to depend everything on how we feel but the, our feelings are a part of us. Our emotions are a part of us. And because of just life, life happening to us, we, we don't always feel like God is great and God is good. I mean, in our mind, we know it. But life kind of uh, hides it. Let me put it that way. Life kind of comes along and hides that. And this morning, I want, uh, there, uh, there, I'm not, there's no hidden agenda here. I want you to see God again. I want to take away the veil and see God again as, as so great 
it's just hard to even even talk about, hard to explain. Let's read the text. Therefore, uh, I'm sorry, that was verse 12. Verse 18, you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burn with fire. Now, he's referring to Mount, to Mount Sinai, way back in the Old Testament. And the blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be uh, stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, even Moses said, I'm exceedingly afraid and trembling. But, you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God and the heavenly Jerusalem and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. And you've come to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better than, than that of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from, from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet... Once more I shake not only the earth, but also, but also, also heaven. <clears throat> now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Heaven's go uh, earth's going to pass away, and then heaven will remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. If I'm going to continue with this thought of God is great and God is good, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Acts chapter 17. This will also be on the screen. Acts chapter 17, 23 through 31. And there is an outline of this message on the back side of your announcements, Acts 17, 23 through 31. Some of the best scripture that I'm aware of that talks about the sovereignty and the greatness of God. I'm going to read through this and then we'll get uh, to our outline. This is Paul on Mars Hill. And he's talking to people who did not know God or believe in him. So he starts describing a little bit about who God is. And some of the best description about who God is that, uh, that we have. So Paul begins in talking to that group on Mars Hill. He said, For I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, so, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. I'm going to tell you about him. God who made the world, the world, uh, that word world 
in, uh, in the Greek is cosmos, exactly like how we use, use the word. So God who made the, made, the, made the world, cosmos, which is everything, it's the same word, same Greek word that we're going to get to in a little bit, but John 3.16, for God so loved the world, the cosmos. We often think of it, and it, it is true because we're, we're included in it. God loves, loves everyone, but he, he certainly does. But God loves everything. For God so loved the world, the cosmos. So God, uh, God made the world, the cosmos, which is everything, and everything in it. God made that. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he does not dwell in temples made with hands. Nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all breath and all things. He has made them from one blood, he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth, and has determined their pre appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him. Though he is not far from each one of us. I want you to see that. Though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As also some of your poets, of your own poets have said. For we are also his offspring. Therefore since we are the offspring of God. We ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone or something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man who he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from, from the dead. Uh, that's where I'm supposed to stop. Lord, if you're looking at your outline, Lord of heaven and earth, and then the next one is Lord of each one of us. I want to divide it, divide it this way, the, the Lord of heaven and earth, and then the Lord of each one of us. And I want to use as an, an, an analogy, it helps me, helps me teach, helps me preach things that I've seen. I live right next door to the church, so I uh, walk back and forth, of course, and I'm often walking to the church or home in the dark. And sometimes, and I imagine all of us have done this at some point, uh, some point, sometimes I'll walk over and I'll look up at the sky and on a clear night, I, I tried it this morning, but too, too many clouds. But if I'm walking over, it's a real clear sky, no clouds. What do I see? The stars. And just look up at the stars. And I don't know if you've ever done this. Maybe you have. I I hope you do. You look up at the stars and you look at how far they are, how, I don't know, you just look up and look at how huge everything is. And it's, it's uh, humorous to us now, but I've read books about how when the scientists started trying to figure things out, when they started trying to figure out, well, is the earth flat? Is the earth round? things like that. How does it work? Of course, 
used to, and we still say it like this. We all know it's not true, but we say that the sun rises and sets. The sun rises in the east, sets in the west. Well, of course that's not true. We know that's not true, but that's a holdback from what everybody used to think. Everybody used to think that the sun rotated around us, but obviously it's not that way. We rotate. Uh, again, you haven't seen anything <laughs> yet. We, just, we think we know. The humorous part, one of them, is that the scientists, they're trying to figure out the earth's flat around the sun. Some of them say, well, okay, let's count the stars. Let's count them, okay? Okay, how, how do you do that? They would lay on their back on a clear night and take a straight edge of some kind, you know, maybe using uh, certain stars. And Anyway, if you can just imagine this, laying on your back, taking a straight edge, and what they were doing is dividing the sky up and counting stars. Because, you know, you, you can lose track. Well, and there's some, this is how it goes. And somebody comes up and talks to you, and you lose count. You know, you just got to start all over again. So they'd have a straight edge, and they would do, okay, I'm going to count this section. Now, this is true. This is how they, this is how they, they thought we can get pretty close on counting the stars like that. Okay, and they actually had a number. I, I'd have to go back and look up what if. But of course, in, in our day now, we know it's just ridiculously low. Not really understanding what they didn't see and what they couldn't see because they thought that the stars that they saw, that's how many there were. That's what it is. And I could say to them, you, you haven't seen anything. So now we know, we put the, this is on your, on your outline, uh, but we'll put it on the screen. Stephen Hawking said, we now know, and we know, we're not guessing. We now know that our galaxy is one of some 100,000 million of them. And we are relatively small. Many, many of them are much larger than ours is. But our galaxy is only one of 100 thousand million galaxies that can be seen using using modern modern telescopes each galaxy ours for instance is self-containing some hundred thousand million that's even hard to say hundred thousand million stars okay so it's a lot different than laying on your back and counting stars I want, you to look, I want you to think about the numbers that's hard to even think about, right? A hundred thousand millions of stars in our galaxy. Our sun is one star. You take that and there are a hundred thousand million galaxies each with that number. I mean, that's what just think about that. And I look up at the stars when I walk over at night. And what that does for me, I don't know if it does it for anybody else, but that makes me feel so small. <laughs> that makes me feel so small. But Paul said, the Bible says, that God made each of those stars 
place them where he wants them. Uh, I don't know what the count would be. God knows. I don't know what the count is on the hairs on your head right now. Not yesterday, because it's changed. But God knows the count of the hairs of your head right now. He knows the count of the stars. What I'm trying to get you to see and do is think about, consider, and think about again, and think about again the magnificence of all this, the grandeur of all this, the hugeness, which is probably not even a word, the hugeness of all this. And when I look up and when I think about that and I think about, I th I think about what I'm going through, I think about what I'm dealing with right now, and I wonder sometimes because of what I'm going through and because of what I'm having to deal with right now, because of what's going on in life, I wonder because life makes me do this sometimes, God, are you big enough to deal with this? God, can you handle this? And so it's good for me to walk over sometimes on a cloudless night and look up and see the number of stars and the, the vastness of all of that and consider it this way. And it reminds me, I already know this. I just need to be reminded every once in a while, you know what? If God can do that, <laughs> if God can do that, he can take care of me. If God can do that, he can take care of you. You are not bigger than all of that. You are not more difficult than all of that, okay? There's nothing about any of that that he doesn't know, and there's nothing about you that he doesn't know. And that kind of leads on into the next one. The next one is the Lord of each one of us. He is not far from each one of us. The first one I, I use, it, it just helps me to teach. I looked at what I, thinking about what I saw, and I use that. This next one, the Lord of, of each one of us, uh, you, this will be familiar to a lot of you too. So I was in Jonesboro on a Friday night. Stay, stay with me here, and I want you to think about this. I was on Jones, in Jonesboro on a Friday night on Stadium Boulevard at 5 o'clock. Okay, in my car. What was I doing? You'll know the answer if you think about it. What was I doing in my car? I mean, what was I doing in my car in Jonesboro on Stadium 5 o'clock on Friday? Sitting still, right? Sitting still. And I don't know what the rest of you said. It wasn't road rage. You know, I don't, I don't do that. I'm sitting still along with everyone else. <laughs> and I, sit, I was sitting still in my car looking around, thinking I'll never, if I can help it, be in Jonesboro on a Friday night on stadium at 5 o'clock again, looking around and looking at everybody in every other car. And uh, we do this, maybe, maybe you do this, maybe you do have a road rage I issue, 
okay? You're mad, you're upset, you, because what? You've got stuff to do, you've got places to be, you've got things, you know, all, you, you've got life going on, and you're sitting here doing, you're sitting here at a, a stoplight, a stop sign. Also, I actually wasn't on stadium, I was trying to get on to stadium. Okay, won't do that again. Okay, and I'm thinking about where I've got to be, what I've got to do. You know what? Every other person in every other car is doing the very same thing. There's a different, unique story in each car. There's something going on in each car. I will never try to minimize what's going on with you. But here's, here, because here's what I know. This morning you come into the Lord's house, there's something going on with each of you. You're like the person sitting in the car at 5 o'clock uh, in the evening, rush hour. Or you could be sitting in church, but each one of us has their own unique story and none of the two, none of the two stories are exactly the same. And even if we could find a situation where the situations are almost identical, you're not going to handle them the same way. There's no two of us that are the same. There are no two of us that are going to handle things the, things the same way. There's a unique, a unique story in every car and in every seat with everybody here this morning. What happened to you last week is unique for each of us. What's going on with you right now is unique for each of us. What I wanted to say, I will never try to, try to minimize or make small the difficult things that are going on with you. But I want you to consider that there are difficult things going on at times with almost all of us. You are not unique in that way. Okay? And I, I think it helps to... To think about that and remember that I am not unique in, in that way. My problem is unique. But everybody's got one. And there's something going on with all of us at the same time. I had a pastor, a uh, friend of mine, uh, he was preaching something like this. And he was going, and you know, pre preachers say dumb things and we don't mean to say them. But he was preaching like this and, and he said, you know, it, it just, it, don't you think God's got his hands full? <laughs> and my answer was, no, he doesn't. He doesn't though. He doesn't have his hands full. See, it's impossible for us. But over and again, the scriptures play, play out and just come out and say, what's impossible with man is possible with God, though. He doesn't have his hands full. He can handle it. Uh, the story, one of my favorite stories that uh, happened, Jesus is sitting in a house, and uh, they, they want to bring a man to him who is lame, and... Uh, they can't find a way in, so they open up a hole in the roof and they lower the paralyzed man down through the roof on his bed. Four men do. And they lower it right down in front of, in front of Jesus. Now, they lowered him down for him to be healed. But Jesus, instead of healing the man right off, he said, thy sins are forgiven you. Oh, that just set everybody off. Thy sins are forgiven you. Who and they ask him, who has the power to forgive sins but God? And 
You know, the irony of that is Jesus. That's what I've been trying to tell you. Thy sins are, thy sins are forgiven you. Oh, and by the way, rise up, you're, you're healed. So he does them both. And then he, he gives a clue to who God is. He said, it's not harder. Which, which is harder for God to do? To forgive sins or to heal? Neither one is harder for God to do. Because it's not hard for God to do. He spoke it into existence. He spoke the stars into He didn't, he, he's, he's not got a drawing board. He's not uh, trying to work at this. He's not trying to figure it out. Then that wouldn't be God. And so in each car, there's something going on. And God sees all of it. The, uh, the screen, the next screen, I can't remember the numbers that I put. As of August 2022, there are 7.97. There's almost 8 billion of us. And that's just who are alive right now. There are almost 8 billion of us. And each person has an individual story. There's something going on with each of them all at the same time. And God is the God of the stars and he is not far from each one of us. Say, man, I don't know how he does it. Of course you don't know how he does it. Nobody knows how he can do that. That's why he's God and we're not. The last one, the last part, simply put, just John 3.16. I think we'll just have it on the screen. You, you don't really need to have it on the screen, but we, we will. For God so loved the world, the cosmos, and everything in it, that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I've heard this, you've heard this, I heard this last week. Somebody asked, if God loves us so much, why does he send people to hell? God is not, I'm, a, I'm just going gonna, gonna to spend the rest of my life saying this. God is not about spent sending people to hell. It's all the opposite of that. It's the opposite of that. For God so loves you that he gave his only begotten son. God gave his son. God gave of himself so that you wouldn't go to hell. It's, it's all about the desperate love of God to save you from hell, not to seek. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, not to send you to hell, but to save you from hell. The desperate love of God to save you, to bring you, to pull you, to do whatever it takes to save you. So much so that he sent his son to die on a cross for you, for me, for everything, for everyone. God's not about sending people to hell. God's not about, God's not about, uh, not about that at all. But it's all about he loves you so much. He loves you so much well with eight billion of us but he loves you and I don't know what he's going to do I don't know how he's going to work this out but I've tried this whole time to to remind you again I, hardly anything I've said is is something you don't know 
But I think that maybe this morning I needed it. And maybe this morning you've come in and you needed to hear again about the greatness, the glory, the majesty, the hugeness of God. And if he can do all that, he can take care of you, okay? We're going to have our prayer time. We're going to do this a little different. I asked the band to come. We are going to do both songs. We're going to do two songs this morning. Usually don't do it like this, but we are. The first song is an old song that we've heard forever. Uh, what a friend we have in Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand. What we're going to do is this. I want you to sing this song with them as they lead. What a friend we have in Jesus. I want you to sing it. It's an old song. You know the song, but... Pay real close attention to the words. I want you to sing this song and let the words get into you. Then they're going to sing another song. Uh, I've drawn a blank on the heart. name. Move your heart. Move, move your heart. When we come to move your heart, if you need to come and pray, that's what that time's for. If you've come into the Lord's house, just, God, I need to talk to you about this. I've got this going on. I need you to do something here. Uh, boy, I, I don't, whatever it might be. Each one, of, I, I'm, I, I'm stuck on the fact that each one of us are in such a different place. And I don't know what you need. But you need to come and pray. So we're going to sing what a friend we have in Jesus. And then as they sing, move your heart. If you need to come and pray, uh, come.
prepare to sing the next song if if God's spirit's dealing with you just something you need to come and pray about uh, you just be obedient to what his spirit says if you need to come and pray come Jesus Jesus precious Lord None on the earth, heavens above, that I have found beautiful. You are my treasure, my great reward. I just want to move your heart, is all I want to do. I just want to stand in awe and pour my love on you, no matter how much the cost. I freely give it all to you, all to you. Jesus, Jesus, my my ambitions, my hopes, my dreams, and here's my life, sacrifice, oh, just to bless you, I just want to move your heart, cause all I want to do, I just want to stand in awe. Fragrance. 
Every melody, just tell me what moves you. 